Hi, uh, my name's Liz. I'm on the staff and part of the leadership team. If I've not met you before, it's so good to be with you this morning. Welcome to you if you are online. And I'm here to talk about the fifth letter in our BLESS series, which we've been doing. So I'm going to see if you guys have actually been listening. What was B for? L? E? S last week? Fantastic. And today, we're going to be talking about story, that we are called to share our stories. But before I kick us off, has anyone got a blessed testimony? We'd love two people to give a quick testimony of what God's been doing in and through you, perhaps through this series. Anyone going to come up and share something quick with us? Yes, Leah, if you want to grab a mic. Yeah, hello. Um, so I'm Leah. I um, last week went to a Diwali party of a neighbour, um, and I went to it. It had been quite a big week. I was like, it's not. I don't, I don't really know them that well. It's not really what how I want to spend my Saturday evening. But we went. It's all going well. Eleven o'clock comes, and I think, you know what? I'm, I'm heading home now. I need to go to bed. I'm quite particular about my bedtime. So I said, I'm going to go now. And she said, um, I've not got dinner out yet. And my face dropped to the floor. Um, and 11.30 comes and she brings up curry, rice, naan bread. I'm nearly crying at this point because I'm usually a 6 p.m. dinner time kind of person. Um, and then it goes on and on. And it, is, it was a super late night. And um, it was so not in my comfort zone. And I was just so reminded of what Scott was saying um, on the Eat Week about how actually we don't always do things for our preferences. And that was not my preference. But actually, since then, she's messaged. She's been so pleased that we went. Um, so um, pleased that we took the time to go and actually it, it really showed me that actually I'm quite comfortable blessing people when it fits me and when it suits me and when it finishes at a time for me to go to bed at a reasonable time but actually it really challenged me that I need to be better at blessing people when it doesn't quite fit with my preferences. Wow so good. Anyone else got something? Maybe you don't want to kind of follow that one. Hey? <laughs> ah Simon fat- fantastic. Hello, I'm Simon. I normally sit down here. It's quite weird being up here. Um, uh, we just had the opportunity to uh, share some food and fireworks with friends yesterday. Uh, we were going to do it just as a family, and then um, my wife, Kat, has been wanting to uh, spend time with neighbours. So we invited, we went for a walk actually last Sunday, and just as we were walking past a family's house, they were just out in the garden. So we went and asked them to come, and they said they would love to, and then a couple of other friends came. And yeah, we just enjoyed having uh, time together with, with our neighbours. So good. So good, guys. Brilliant. Thank you, both of you. So as I said, we are in S for story. And the whole point of this sermon series, if you're new to us, is we've been going through this acronym BLESS based on the book by the same title. And it's helping us to think deliberately about how we can live lives, live out the gospel in the places that God has placed us. So if you haven't picked up already, this whole series is about mission, how we can be disciples who make disciples, how we bring God's kingdom into the places and the spaces that God has put us. On week one, we were encouraged to think about where in our world, what sphere, what area, what setting would we try and work out some of the things we've been learning and thinking about. And the last few weeks, we've been talking deliberately about our behavior, how what we do communicates the love, the care, the compassion, the value that God has on people. 
And so that's why we've been talking about listening to people, eating with them, as Leah um, intimated, and last week, serving. Because it's true that behavior communicates a lot. If you are looking at me sitting upright right now, I am pretty confident that you're attentive, you want to hear what I'm going to say. If you're slouching, closing your eyes, looking around, yawning, probably you're communicating something else to me. I communicate quite a lot through my face, I'm told. Great when you're in a room with three children and they're behaving in a way that you don't particularly want them to and you've got the killer look. Mums, we've all done that. But actually there are times, a lot of times, my face has got me into a lot of trouble. You know the saying, poker face? Clearly I don't have one. (laughs) Because so many times I seem to communicate things that I didn't expect to on my face. You may have heard this uh, 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 sentence that says, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. It's this idea that actually our behavior, all the time, we can bring the love of God through our actions, through the things we do. In fact, we can do that so often that often we don't need to use words because our actions are conveying the love of God. Well, it's a true statement, but it's not the whole truth. There's a proverb that says, one man seems right until another gives his account. So while it's true to say that our actions do communicate and demonstrate the love of God, actually the witness, the other witness on the stand, in this case I want to use the Apostle Paul, would say this. It's going to go on the screen. But how can they call on him, that's Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him, Jesus, if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? It's from Romans. Telling people what God has done through Jesus in our lives is the ultimate blessing that we can bestow on others. Because we know that the ultimate blessing is knowing the love and care of Jesus, of knowing the freedom and forgiveness that has been purchased by his blood. Most of that, the to- of that comes through hearing about Jesus. It comes through someone who knows Jesus, telling somebody else who doesn't know about Jesus who he is. Faith comes by hearing, which requires us to tell people about him, to speak, to communicate with words. But for many of us, if we're honest, this part of the, this element of this blessed series is probably the most challenging or could be the most challenging. How many of us have deliberately diverted a conversation in order to not talk about our faith? Hands up. Many of us, and I think there are more of us in the room. I put my hand up with you. You know, well-intentioned and wholehearted for Jesus we may be, but for lots of us, we're happy to hide behind the when necessary use words. And guess what? 
it's never been very necessary. We're willing to listen. We're very willing to eat with others. We're happy to serve. But it can be another thing to tell people why we're doing things, those things, or why, what the story is of how we have met Jesus. So what does Jesus tell us about telling others our story? Well, there's lots in the Gospels, but just one example that I want us to look at this morning is in Mark 5. And we join Jesus as he's about to meet a man who is possessed by evil spirits. So we're going to go to Mark 5, starting at verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man, possessed by an evil spirit, came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. This is a pretty distressing scene that we're jumping into. I mean, it's literally the kind of vision of nightmares, isn't it? It's not what you want your children to see. This man is literally living amongst the dead. His home is a graveyard. It's desperate, desperate. People have tried to restrain him and contain him, and no one has been able to help him. He's been living with total physical pain. It says he cuts himself with sharp stones. I'm guessing he's starving. Where's he getting food from? He's got spiritual torment. We're told he's wandering alone. He's tormented by these spirits. It is a horrendous existence for him and utterly terrifying for those around him, I'm sure. Verse 6, let's pick it up again. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. And he replied, Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Every time I read this, I'm pointed to the great cost of liberty, of freedom, of salvation. In this case, it was 2,000 pigs. Ultimately, for us, it was Jesus' death. Amazing. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. 
A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. This is an incredible account on every level and there's so many things that I would love us to look at. But what I want to note in these next few minutes is just this simple but clear instruction that Jesus gives this man. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. Some versions say go home to your friends. Go to the people that you know and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you. Jesus has utterly transformed this man's life with his authority and power. When you look at what he was living like, he has delivered him of demons at the cost of 2,000 pigs, conveying incredible value and worth on this single life. We don't know how long he'd been like that, but he's been delivered by Jesus. This man who's lived amongst the dead, who was literally living a life of death, killing himself, he's just been given back his very life. No wonder he wants to stay with Jesus. No wonder he begs with him, can't I stay with you? You're the one that's delivered me. It's no surprise, really. He wants to stick with Jesus. But Jesus says to him, no, you can't stay with me. You need to go. No, you're not to be with me and just hang around with me. I want you to go. And he says to him, go home to your family. Go to the people that know you. Go to the ones that you know. Go to your hometown. Go to your place of dwelling. Jesus commissions him almost like he does to the disciples after his resurrection. But go on this occasion is not go into all the nations, but go to the people that know you. Go to those that you've laughed with. Go to those that you've eaten with. Go to those that you've done life with, who've watched you grow up. Go home, he says to this man. And God is in the business of changing lives, not so that we keep to ourselves, but that we go as ambassadors of his. That's what he's sending this man out as an ambassador of Jesus. Your life wasn't changed. My life hasn't been changed that we keep ourselves to ourselves keep our faith to ourselves, do what we want to do. Now, our lives have been changed so that we would be sent out, commissioned on mission into the places that God has set us, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families, 
our Pilates classes, our football teams, the barber that we see every month, the checkout man at Aldi. Jesus commissions us to go. Church, what would it look like if we all went into our settings this week, this month, this year, with a renewed sense of commission? What could our communities look like if we had a clear conviction of the commission on our lives, which is to go? What could your road, your family, your friendship group look like if you had confidence that God had placed you there with the instruction on your life to go? Jesus says, go. Go and tell. Go and tell. He doesn't say to this man, go and show by your actions. Go and live in an area and see if after a year they kind of can see that anything has changed in your world. He says, no, go and tell. Go and tell people about me. He exhorts him to use words to communicate what Jesus has done. We can't easily tell unless we use words. We can't easily communicate unless we speak. But this man was commanded to go and gossip about Jesus, to spread the news by talking Telling requires us to take the next step and not just rely on our actions doing the work. One thing I didn't tell you about my poker face is that whilst I haven't got a poker face, my face is easily misread by people. People misinterpret my expressions. Even this week, literally, it happened on God's Big Story my face said stern, my heart said warm and gentle. And the problem is that if we never tell people why we're doing things or who Jesus is, they can misread our expressions and our acts of love as she's just a good person. We need to go and tell. So what was this guy to tell? Everything the Lord has done. He was to tell what the Lord has done. Jesus refers to himself by this name, Lord, and he is quite comfortable about being the center, about being the hero of this man's story. Jesus was looking to get the credit and the glory. It was his power, his compassion, his authority that had brought deliverance to this man. Jesus isn't shy about being the hero of the story. And it's all too easy when we share our stories, if we're not careful, that inadvertently we make ourselves the hero of any stories that we communicate. How we were in the right place at the right time and God met us. Or we decided to go to church and got healed. Or we worked hard and so we're blessed. Or we've changed our behavior and now we know freedom. But stories about Jesus and work in our lives are to make him the hero of them, make him the center. Jesus wanted to be the center of this man's proclamation. He was jealous to get the glory. And I think there's a lesson for us here that when we tell stories of what God has done in our life, what he's doing now in our life, we craft them carefully that make Jesus 
the hero of them, that he becomes the hero of the stories that we tell about him. Go and tell everything the Lord has done for you, is Jesus' final bit of his instruction. Jesus doesn't ask the man to tell somebody else's story. He doesn't ask the man to tell the disciple's story. He simply says to the man, go and tell your story, what God has done for you, what God's done in your life, how he's delivered you, how your life was in the graveyard and now how you've been set free. Go and tell people what God has done in your life, what has happened. And Jesus says to us today, go and tell your story, what God has done in your life, what's happened to you, how you need him every day, how you know you mess up, but you know his love and forgiveness. We are to tell our stories. Each of us has a story to tell, and each of us is commissioned to go and tell those stories. And someone who I know who is really brilliant at telling her story about what Jesus has done in her life is Janine Blake. Janine heads up our outreach team along with David Musamavali. In fact, even yesterday, they were with a group of people doing some training about how to bring the gospel to people on the streets in our town center. And so I would love to invite Janine up, and she's going to share with us a bit about how she tells her story and what God has done in her. And I know we're going to be inspired and learn much. So Janine, do come and join me. Do welcome her. Welcome, Janine. Hello. <laughs> so, Janine, before we kind of get into what we wanted to talk about, your faith and how you share your story, yeah. just you said there was a great testimony yesterday on the streets. Lovely to share that. There was an amazing testimony yesterday that I'd just like to share. Um, when we um, were there yesterday, we prayed as a team for names and situations of people we might meet on the streets. We did a practical session. I went and engaged with the public um, we got given a name and a situation of feeling lost. Three of the pairs found this guy with the same name. He was sitting on a bench and he was looking lost. And the first pair spoke to him and he was very honest with them. He said how he had been addicted to drugs for years. He had found Jesus, but he had gone back to drugs and he was feeling the shame of that. He was feeling really lost. And they were able to share with him words of that Jesus loves them, loves him, has grace for him, can forgive him, words of hope. The second pair found him and he was sitting on the bench and he was crying and he was saying, I've lost so many years. And um, one of the team were able to share, it was Sarah and she said, God is going to give you back the years that the locusts have taken. And the third pair found him and he said to them, he goes, I feel like I'm Lazarus. If you know the Bible, Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. It's just so incredible. God goes before us. He loves the people in our town and he is for them and he is bringing the lost sheep back to him. So good, Janine. <laughs> so for you yourself, tell us what places and people have you shared your faith with? When I used to have a day job, I used to share my faith and my story with my colleagues at work. 
I got my first job when I was 16 in retail. I invited my boss to church and he started attending church with my family and I. I have been sharing uh, with people on the bus, uh, at playgroups, my children were little, at the school gate, in exercise classes, that's an odd one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> also at parties, at dinners, and uh, also on the streets. I have a chronic back condition and that has provided lots of opportunities for me to share my story with many medical professionals over the years. Amazing. So tell us, has it always been easy to share your story? Um, actually, yes. It's not something I find difficult to do. I love people. I love sharing my life um, with people and I love listening to people's stories. I know that it may not be easy for everybody though. My parents are always very open about their faith and um, active in the community. So I think that might be why that was really normal for me growing up. So when something's uncomfortable for us, typically we will find excuses not to do it. Maybe nobody else does, but I do. I find excuses are good, really good reasons why actually I'm not going to do that thing. So here are some excuses that we could present if actually we find sharing our faith hard. What about this one? I just don't have what it takes or I don't know enough about God to be able to share my faith. What would you say to us if we kind of respond with that? I just don't know enough. I would say that I don't know all the answers. I don't know the Bible back to front and I can't remember all the verses. It's okay not to know all the answers. We're all on a faith journey. Um, my advice would be that you already know enough to share and... I just tell people what Jesus has done for me. I may not be able to give the perfect answer, but I can tell people that Jesus has always loved me, how I felt accepted by him, that I am never alone, that in him I have hope for the future, joy and peace. We've got to remember we're not on our own with this. We all have the Holy Spirit and he really helps me. He guides me and he prompts me to tell me, when to contact someone, what and when to share, and also gives me the words to say, which is all really helpful. Um, I listened to a really helpful preach recently, and it um, set out the, what, a really effective way to share your story. And they are three Ps to remember. So the first P is your story should point to Jesus. The second P is be plain. Use understandable language that people will recognize. In the Christian world, we can have really big words that people won't recognize. So use words that people will know. And the third P is be personal. As you were saying, Liz, it's your story. What has Jesus done for you personally that you should share? Point to Jesus. Plain language. Keep it personal. Yes, exactly. We could stop there, really, couldn't we? I think Janine just needs to come up this morning, really, that's all. Um, what about the excuse that we might say is, actually, I don't want to impose my faith on other people, on my friends or family. I don't want to push it on them. Humbly sharing the difference that Jesus has made in your life is not um, putting your opinions on anybody or imposing your opinions on, on somebody. There is an amazing quote in the Bless book that I read, which is, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. When it is your story that you are sharing, it cannot be debated with. 
that's how you see your life. And I typically spend more time listening and asking questions. When we were on the street yesterday, I was just listening to people's stories. Oh, what does that mean to you? But it gets to a point where it's really important to actually say what you believe and what Jesus has done for you because you can listen and everything else, but actually it's, it gets to a point where it's important to tell people too. Um, I invited a friend to Alpha about four years ago and it was someone that I've known since we're both 20. He started coming along, but when I invited him, he said to me, um, you haven't said very much to me about your faith over the years. I didn't think it was that important to you. Wow, that really hit me hard. Um, I thought I'd been really open and honest, but that is not what my friend thought. My friend either thought I didn't care enough about Jesus or I didn't care enough about him to tell him what I believed. Wow. And since then, I've really tried to be different. I've tried to be more open and honest with people and really live life with those around me in the hope that they will know that I care about them and that I would love for them to know Jesus for themselves one day. So Liz, you mentioned Romans 10, 14. It is so powerful. How can people believe and call on Jesus if they have never heard of him? And from my experience, from doing outreach over the years and also talking with friends, people do not know the gospel as we know it. Honestly, they have not heard the good news that is Jesus. Mm. I am so passionate about telling people the good news. People can't make a decision when they don't know all the facts. Mm. And then it's, it's an invitation. Then people can come and, and say yes or no, but they need to know the information and they need to hear it um, from, an, from a loving standpoint. When you find something amazing, you know, when we watch a really good program or you're like, this is an amazing restaurant, you tell people about it. This is the most amazing thing in our lives. We need yeah. to tell people yes. about this and, and what he has done for us and how it has changed us. Um, yeah. I mean, you've kind of answered it because you're very much the other person focused. In these moments, we tend to feel uncomfortable. What do you say if people say, look, I just feel uncomfortable sharing my faith? You do need to be open and vulnerable. I find that when I'm vulnerable with people, they are vulnerable with me too. And when you're vulnerable, it leads to deepening relationships where you share what's really going on in your life. Um, people can turn to you, you can turn to others, and you can just say what's really going on. It's being real. Uh, my parents are really amazing, caring, generous and kind people. I am so blessed to have them um, in my life. They lived the, Christmas, uh, the Christian life so amazingly and they were just such an inspiration to me. I just want to share a, a quick story with you now. So they knew a guy, he was living on his own, he was unwell and he was unable to look after himself. And my parents decided that they would look after him and they wanted to make sure that he was eating. So my parents cooked a meal for him and delivered it to him every day for four years. Um, so we do lots of meal rotors here, don't we? Every day for four years. I used to go in the car with my dad when I was a teenager to drop the meals off. And... If he didn't feel well enough, we would drop the meal on his doorstep. My parents said to him, we love you as a family and we are here for you. But more importantly than that, they said, Jesus loves you. 
and he is ready and waiting for you when you're ready to let him in. I think that was the most important part. They served him, but they said why they were doing it. And they shared their life with him constantly over the years. They could see it in him, um, in themselves, that they loved Jesus. He had blessed them, and that's in turn why they were blessing him. 20 years on, it's a completely different story. He loves Jesus. He is in church. He's very active in church. And he has a loving community around him now when once he was completely on his own. I have seen firsthand from a very young age how Jesus completely transforms lives. And when you see that year after year, you know the gospel is true. You know it's real and you're not ashamed of it. I think sharing your faith can be difficult and it can be di- uncomfortable. But I think we, it's so important. A bit of discomfort is okay. I think it's good to work through that. Thank you. <laughs> it just exudes out of her, doesn't it? Just her passion to share the gospel, to share her story. Janine, we just honour you for the way you keep stirring us and provoking us as a church. I know you personally, you provoke me. She's got friends on the Alpha course again at the moment. She's just a provocation. And I really wanted to pray for us in just a minute. So as we draw to a close I think this commission to us, Jesus would recommission us today. Go and tell what the Lord has done for you. You know, we are to serve. We need to listen. Let's open our homes and eat with. Let's serve the feet of those around us. But we need to share our story. Go. Go into your places this week and tell what the Lord has done for you. And as I've been preparing this, I just felt a prophetic word or a word of knowledge that there's somebody in this room that actually God is saying, go back to your home and tell what the Lord has done for you. And maybe for somebody here, this isn't your home nation and God is calling you back to your nation of origin specifically to go and tell that God wants to use you there to bring the gospel where you were born, where you came from. If that's you, I would love you to connect with me or one of the leaders or the person you came with or that someone you know. We would love to work out what that looks for you over the next years. But this week, let's go. Let's go again. And Janine, would you pray for us? Yes. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us, that we all have our own personal stories to tell. I thank you that you've placed all of us where we are for a reason. I pray for boldness, for wisdom to know when to share, how to share, to give us opportunities and for us to be open. Holy Spirit, be with us this week and as we go forward, that you can guide us well. Amen. Amen.